This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Welcome into Early Odds. I'm Rick Camp in for Joe Ostrowski this week and excited to again be broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is a hell of a week for Joe to be out and for me to get the opportunity to sit in because obviously there was the bombshell that we've all been anticipating of the Bears trading the number one pick. Just in case you've been living under a rock and you don't know what the Bears got, number one goes to Carolina for number nine, number 61, which is the 49ers second round pick that the Panthers got for Christian McCaffrey, the Panthers 2024 first, their 2025 second, and standout wide receiver DJ Moore. My thoughts on the deal are aligned with a lot of what I've seen so far. Love this deal for the Bears. It feels like they maximized within reason what they could have gotten and were able to cross off one of their biggest offseason needs in the process. Now, after early odds is over, there will not be inside the clubhouse this week, but you will get to hear David Haw because he'll be taking your calls, giving his reaction to this move by the Bears, what it means for them. But we're going to focus on the betting angle of it today. And to be honest, looking at the market, there's still not a ton of markets out there on the NFL draft. And honestly, I think part of the reason is, yes, this is about the time of year when they start to come out after the combine, but it was also sports books kind of waiting for what was going to happen with the number one pick. So let's take a look at some of what's changed since this deal. In terms of the number one overall pick odds, pre-trade, Bryce Young was your favorite, more or less around minus 200. CJ Stroud was plus 180 when this trade happened. Now, if you look over at points bet, Stroud is the favorite at minus 325 to be the first overall pick. Bryce Young, goes from minus 200 all the way to plus 325. Anthony Richardson, five to one, and Will Levis, 22 to one. Part of the reason the market moved so much is because of reports that you're seeing from national newsbreakers and also from your draft analysts that Carolina really likes CJ Stroud. So that information making the rounds, not just a presumption on my part, but that information is what has really made the market move to this point with people putting money down on CJ Stroud to Carolina. 
Now, the current Bears-specific market that I looked at was to win the division because obviously the NFC North is going to be wide open this year with Aaron Rodgers not going to be back in Green Bay. Detroit looking like they're going to take another step forward. Who knows what Minnesota is going to be? And then obviously the Bears still with all their cap space to use and all that extra draft capital. Who knows how much of that they push in this year versus keeping it in their back pocket for either in-season or down the line. Before this deal was made, the Bears were plus 475 to win the division. Now you look at it a points bet, still the longest odds in the division, but plus 350. Now, DJ Moore alone is definitely not worth that much movement. I don't think there's really a single non-quarterback that moves a line that much. However, it's the intentions that the Bears have. It's also probably just some trust in the front office to not screw that up because the last major move that people think of for the Bears is the Chase Claypool trade, which is not looking good at the moment. And the Bears have been dogged for that one. Later in the show, I'm going to have a conversation with Connor Allen from 4 for 4 and Betspurts about the NFL draft after the combine, where some things have shifted also, a little bit later, of course, we're going to talk to Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Plenty going on at Hawthorne, and he has some tournament thoughts. But right now, we're going to go out to the hotline and talk to one of my favorite people to talk college basketball with because I need to play catch up. And it's my guy, Tyler Morales from BetQL and You Better You Bet. He's giving picks out all the time on You Better You Bet. He's watching whatever college basketball he can find. And if you need any evidence, just follow him on Twitter at Tyler Morales Zero. He's sweating all these college basketball games. He understands these teams, what makes a good tournament team. And I need to learn that. So Tyler is a really, really valuable resource. And Tyler, I appreciate you taking time for me, man. Of course, Rick. We did this last year, I believe. And it was yeah. really it was successful. I had a great March last year. So I'm happy to be on. Hopefully we do it again. For all of the listeners out there, this could be a crazy year. So if you're a casual college basketball fan, this is the year you kind of want to watch it's gonna be nuts why is that is that due to what's at top is there just as, as someone parachuting in like even later than nor than i normally do what's the like ten thousand foot view of the college basketball landscape as we head towards the selection sundays tomorrow yeah so like usually once a year we'll have like a top team like last year arizona may, might have been the best team they didn't win kansas was really good last year then we had gonzaga with jalen suggs the other year baylor with davion mitchell there's usually dominant teams this year it's really not houston's the number one team according to the metric site we know what houston is at this point they're kind of like gonzaga of the aac they always have the best defense but when when it comes to the tournament they can't shoot and they always have games where they struggle ucla lost jalen clark one of the better defenders in the pac 12 he's their best defensive player he's out for the year alabama brent how they have brandon miller probably the best freshman in the country maybe one of the best players in the country alabama has a whole situation we don't have to get into they have kind of slid since the, that whole brandon miller darius miles stuff so they're kind of teetering uconn hurley's a terrible tournament coach uconn was really hot in the beginning of the year and now they kind of they kind of steadied the ship. And Hurley is a notorious choker in the NCAA tournament, lost in the first round the past two years. Tennessee, Purdue, Purdue has a one she's a one trick pony. They got Zach Eady and a bunch of freshman guards who are not very good, and they struggled against pressure. We saw it against Rutgers, uh, Rutgers the other day, where Rutgers pressed them and Purdue couldn't get out of it. Gonzaga, same thing, great offense, horrible defense. And Kansas has a Bill Self situation right now where he has a medical, he's going through some medical stuff and he might not even coach in the tournament. So I think this is gonna be a ton of chaos this year. The top of the, the top of the board is, is I'm not I'm not betting them. I'm staying away. I got I bet a lot of long shots before uh, during the season. This is gonna be crazy. For people that just watch just want to watch college basketball and see crazy stuff happening, this is this is the year for you. So with that said, is there anyone right now that you see as value to bet before Selection Sunday or just 
a team that you just have no interest in betting now, no interest in betting, just that you are swearing off no matter where they end up in the bracket. I got a great one for you. Purdue. We actually did this on You Better You Bet uh, the other day. Matt Painter, just like Hurley, he's not a great coach. He has a ton of good tournament teams, and he just chokes it away. Does it all the time. Purdue, one-trick pony. Zach Eadie's their guy. They struggle with athleticism and length. Depending on the draw, hopefully they get a team like Arkansas, super athletic. Memphis, another really athletic team. I can envision them going out really early, maybe in the second round. It's really, it's all Edie. And if Edie's in foul trouble and has a bad game, they're going to go downhill. They don't really do much outside of that. Gonzaga is another team I'm not, I'm not betting. I'm staying away. Poor defensive teams, all offensive teams never do good in the tournament. Same thing with Baylor. Ba- people will hear that and be like, wow, Baylor is not a good defensive team. They were one of the best past three years. They're outside the top 100 in defensive efficiency this year. They are not good. They've had injuries in and out this year, but they have one of the best backcourts in the country. So if you Baylor's another team I'll stay away from. And the team that I really like, here's the thing. When, pe- when I say this team, people could be like, oh, they're good every year. But this year, they really have not been. Duke, they were struggling a ton this year. They had injuries to their top, their top freshman. Derek Livey was number one recruit in the country. He was hurt. He was in and out of the lineup all year. The number two recruit in the country, Derek Whitehead, was out in and out all year. And they've kind of just been carried by Kyle Filipowski, one of their another freshman, I think he was sixth in the country, and he has just dominated for this all season and has carried this team on their back. They right now look like a five seed, a six seed, and they have kind of turned up since the end of the year. I love Duke as a team that's going to get a good draw. A team they met, they fit all the Final Four criteria. They are a really good defensive team, and the offense is finally swinging upward. Probably the last, maybe since January first of the new year, they've really been peaking. They're a really good team that I you're going to see them at six, a six and five seed, be like, hmm, why is Duke there? Struggled early on this year. But they are. They have a ton of talent. John Shire's first year as the coach. He's a great recruiter. All these guys are starting to mesh together. So Duke is uh, the team I'm looking as like a 6-7 that you maybe can find some value on still. Speaking with Tyler Morales from the BetQL Network and You Better You Bet, you can follow him on Twitter at Tyler Morales Zero. If there's ever a sign that this is a chaotic year, Northwestern being a shoe in for the tournament has to be one of the biggest signs. So how do you feel about Northwestern? And I guess while we're at it, what are the chances of the Illini as well? So Northwestern, they're actually, this is a fascinating team because they're honestly kind of like the football team. They have a really bad offense and the defense is really good. The offense, which I don't know why they do this. They're a really poor three point shooting team and they shoot a ton. So it doesn't make sense to shooting a ton of threes if you shoot really poorly. They're probably the top 25% in three-point attempts, and they're 273rd in the country at shooting threes. They're not efficient with their, with their possessions, and on defense, they're really good. They actually don't defend the three well. So that could be one thing in March if they go against like a mid-major or something. They don't defend the three well. Their best player, Boo Booey, he's been good for years now. He's, this is kind of his coming out year. Chase Aldiz was the defensive player of the year for Northwestern. So they're a solid team. I'm personally going to stay away from them. They're not my kind of team. They don't shoot well. They can go cold at a minute's notice, and it's going to be – and also they're not that athletic. A lot of these Big Ten – this is a down year for the Big Ten, in my opinion. I know the metrics say that they're one of the better big, uh, one of the better conferences in the country. I don't really believe so. You can tell that because Northwestern's really one of the better teams in this conference, and usually that doesn't happen. So Northwestern, during the tournament, I'm good. I don't need to be part of that. Illinois. Now, this team's interesting. Against Penn State, they lost. I had Penn State, thankfully. Brad Underwood did this thing where he played all the bigs. Penn State is a notoriously small team. So Brad Underwood was like, I'm going to play all bigs. And they got carved up. It wasn't a pretty performance for Illinois. I still think they're going to get in because they're a brand name. I don't think North Carolina is going to get in. I still think Illinois is going to get in just because the the Big Ten gets a lot of love. It's just like Northwestern. I don't want any part of this. Terrence Shannon is a guy that's capable of the – dominating a game and taking over but outside of that like what are you getting out of coleman hawkins rj melendez is 
I know people out in Chicago are talking about he has the yips sometimes when he plays. I'm good with I, he. I don't need the part of that. Jaden Epps was injured in the NCAA, in the Big Ten tournament. Matthew Mayer has been there. Was part of the Baylor team that uh, won the national championship. He's like kind of an X factor, but. Most of the Big Ten teams I'm staying away from, except Indiana. I'm, I don't want any part of these teams. With as open as it is, how many teams do you think are realistic that could win the title? And obviously this is extremely dependent on how the bracket falls because you could have someone get a really bad region. But just based on team quality in general, how many teams do you think could win it? We actually just did this exercise on You Better You Bet the other day where uh, Ken Barkley, our host, teed me up. He's like, what teams do you think you can win? So I actually have the list of the teams that I thought they can win. So here we go. Houston, UCLA, Alabama, UConn. Uh, Kansas is a team I think they can win, even with the Bill, Bill Self stuff. Texas is another really good team. They're, they're playing really well, one of the better defensive teams in the country. They're awesome. Creighton, people don't expect that, but this is kind of like this is for the past few years, this has kind of been the year that they were waiting for. They're a really good team, really good offensively, and really good defensively too. Kansas State, I was, I, I'm kind of dead on Kansas State now. Yesterday I said they, I thought they could win, and they no-showed the TCU game. It seems like they're running out of steam, but I will still put Kansas State in there. Kentucky – They've cut their lineup in half and basically are playing five to six guys and they are ascending. John Calipari does this a ton. They're, they'll struggle at the end of the beginning of the year. And then right when the SEC tournament comes, they ascend to the, uh, one of their better teams. They did it when they were eight seed with the Harrison Twins and, and they made it all the way to national championship. The Gilgis Alexander year, they were like six and seven in the SEC. And then they ascended when the tournament came. I like they're another good team. And Duke, Duke's another team. Uh, I think they'll make a final four. Most people won't. They're probably a good bet you want to target, like I talked about. So probably around 10 to 11 teams, I think, can win. And Arkansas, too, would be another team I really like. They haven't played well, but they have a ton of top freshmen. The offense has potential, and Eric Musselman's been the Elite Eight the last two years. Could have really won last year against Duke, but he didn't. So about eight, and nine, eight, nine, ten teams. This is like this is kind of an open year compared to other years. So with that said, how do you approach betting at the beginning of the tournament whether it's right now or whether it's waiting for tomorrow for when we have the bracket what are you going to be looking for and then because of how wide open is it are you more likely on a title future or a final four future to look at some long shots than you would maybe in most other years so yeah this is obviously all draw dependent Mm -hmm. um if I'm going going into the tournament, what I'm looking for is I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I want to take points depending on some of these long teams like Purdue. If I'm getting 27 or a lot of these 116 matchups, they're gonna the point spreads are gonna be in the 20s and maybe in the 30s. Purdue, a team they they'll 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 sit their guys to get ready for the next game. Purdue, a, a team I would love to bet against is a high point spread. Some of these mid-major teams, Furman. Furman's probably going to get like 12 to 13 points, and they've been a powerhouse in their conference the last few years. They should have made it a few times the past few years, but they haven't. They have a really good guard, and Mike Bothwell has been there uh, probably like eight years. He's has been on this team forever, but uh, they're another really good team. So, yeah, if you could find mid-majors getting points against like, like a lot of these 12 seeds, they're probably going to do good this year because the five, the five seeds are really diluted. You'll probably see a two-seed go down this year. The two-seeds are really diluted. Kansas State is going to be a 2-3 seed. Probably really shooting because they lost, lost a ton. Of, they ran a ton of gas at the end of the year. Another team, Baylor, poor defensively. They are probably going to go down early. Those close kind of teams always go down early, like I said earlier. And, uh, yeah, just give me a ton of points. That's what I'm really looking for. And there's a lot of the 5-12s, the 4-13s, there's going to be a double-digit point spreads. I envision those games being close just because the top is not as good as in past years. So, yeah, taking a ton of points, that's, that's well kind of what I'm going to do early on. Maybe I'm in this mindset because I'm going to be talking to Connor Allen next but and about the NFL draft, but 
it makes it sound like kind of like this draft where, Hey, there may not, there may not be the top end talent, but obviously someone has to fill those roles around. Is there a seed line where you feel like the value of that seed line finally matches up with what it normally is? Or is this just kind of diluted all the way through down through like what? Six, seven, eight. No, yeah, this is it's kind of the, the top is definitely diluted more than previous years. So if we're looking at projected seeds right now, UCLA a two seed, like I said, lost their best defensive player. Texas goes through lulls where they can't score. And also Chris Beard's not their head coach anymore. They've had an interim coach for the last two years. Arizona plays no defense, and we've talked about Baylor enough. They're the same way. Top of the board's diluted. Um, yeah, the, the the maybe like the eight, nine, ten mat seeds are a lot better than they were in previous years. Like I've been saying, it's all even out mostly throughout this tournament. It's unlike a year we've really seen. What I envision this thing playing out is like chaos all around, like like a St. Peter's type of team making a run, maybe not like a 15, 16 seed, but like a 13 seed making a run. And then just one a team on top of the board, just getting an easy cakewalk to the finals and just winning. Like Kansas, the team I think was going to win is Kansas. Could see that happening to them. Alabama too. It's all going to be draw dependent on these top teams. Because one of these teams are going to get an absolute cakewalk to the Final Four. And you'll you'll notice early on when the brackets come out, you'll be able to pinpoint which team, either Alabama or Kansas, that's going to have a pretty easy run to the tournament. I'm speaking with Tyler Morales here from the BetQL Network. And you better you bet. Follow him on Twitter at TylerMorales0. Because I know you're a college basketball sicko, you'll have something for this. Who are the mid-majors that, that people in like you know a week are going to be like, yeah, but have you heard about this team? That's in that like 11 to 13 seed range. That's probably going to, you know, have if nothing else, have a good showing, even if they do go out early. So do you have a favorite mid-major or two that's not necessarily going to be in the higher seeds? Yeah, so I can give you a mid-major and then a, kind of, then a power five team that isn't really rated at that high that I like as well. Sure. Furman, we already mentioned, really good offense. They don't play defense, but they've been tested enough. They're really good. Here's an interesting one. This doesn't happen often. Oral Roberts. When they, they a couple years ago they made their run with Max Amos and Kevin O'Banner as a 15 or 16 seed I think it was 15 seed and they won a couple games in the tournament. Well, that this doesn't happen that much. I can't I can't imagine they're this, this, the same team with the best player and the coach is back again. So they're gonna they won the conference. Max Amos has been one of the better college basketball players for probably two to three years now. That team is back in the tournament. They're gonna they're gonna be probably the most popular 12 seed. But I I, I like them a lot. The offense is outstanding. Max Aismas is one of the leading scorers in college basketball. The coach already pulled off two wins in the NCAA tournament with this exact roster, except Kevin O'Banner left for Texas Tech. Oral Roberts is a good team. A Power 5 team that I mentioned I really like that matchup dependent. I think they can make a run. Penn State, you don't see this in college basketball often. They don't play a center, really. So depending on, like, we'll go to the Illinois game. Illinois played a Brad Underwood side to go all bigs because Penn State doesn't play a big at all. So Penn State countered with the big man. Usually Penn State likes to go four or five out and and their point guard, Jalen Pickett, Bob, Bob Cousy finalist with guys like Marquise Noel, Dewan Harris from Kansas, like really good point guards. He's up there on that list. They shoot a ton of threes, top of the, one of the most in the country, and they're really good at it. So to, if they can catch fire and get a good matchup, I like them a lot. If they're going against like, I'll throw in Kentucky for an example. Oscar Shreveboy is one of the better players in the country. That's a brutal matchup for Kentucky. They're going to have to... You, their big men are going to have to guard the perimeters in these kind of matchups. So Penn State might be an 11 seed, might be a first team in. They're like the team I'm targeting like a lot. If they get a hop from three, they got two NBA players. They could be really good. They started out slow, really good coach, super efficient. They they kill the clock. They run really slow, 
but they're always they're top 10 in effective field goal percentage, top 10 in three-point percentage. They shoot maybe one of the maybe the most threes in the country. Penn State's the kind of power five team I'm looking at a ton. Just mid-major Oral Roberts and UAB also. UAB was there last year with Jordan Walker. He's like a social media sensation. They got Jordan Walker and Eric Gaines from LSU, one of the more athletic players. And they have a proven coach in Andy Kennedy who was there with Ole Miss a few a few years back. So UAB, Oral Roberts, Penn State are kind of teams I'm targeting. Before I let you go, and this is totally unfair to ask, but I think you alluded to it before, if you're forced to make some sort of pick, or even if it's just what's, if you were forced to bet a future right now for the tournament to win the whole thing, what would you be betting? Okay, so that's a, so people want to parachute in, and I think a team's going to get a cakewalk. It's going to either be between Kansas or Alabama. I mean, they're two of the top team. They're, they're, they're top of that odds board behind Houston. They're probably the two teams I would look at. If you're just like, give me the best team, I want that. I would probably consider uh, Kansas or Alabama. If you want like a decent long shot, TCU's 33 to 1. They got their best player, Mike Miles, back. And they ran through Kansas State in the Big 12 tournament. They're an interesting team. They're really coached. Jamie Dixon's been coaching for years. He's had a ton of tournament success. Kentucky, like I said earlier, they're peaking at the right time. Calipari's on this a ton. And this isn't like a normal team where you think Kentucky, you're thinking, oh, they got all these freshmen. Nope. They got one They got one or two freshman players. And their best player is Oscar Sheboy. He's been in college basketball for like six years. I'll give you even a longer shot. Depending on the draw, my hope is that Arkansas gets Purdue. Arkansas sets up really well for them. They have long athletic guards. They're going to be a terrifying eight to nine seed. And Musselman's done it before. They're 50 to one. If you're looking for like a final four price, they're probably, I'm taking a guess. I'm not looking at the final four, but they're nine to one, probably 10 to one. Final four on Arkansas. Love. That's one of my favorite bets you can get. Arkansas is a team I'm targeting a ton. So longer shots, Arkansas, Kentucky, TCU. And if you're just like, give me the best team, Kansas or Alabama, draw dependent. Tyler's the goods. You can obviously tell right there. So if you're not following him on Twitter at Tyler Morales Zero, you're doing Twitter wrong. So rectify that. And also great to follow when he's live, when he's live sweating golf. Tyler, oh, yeah. Tyler's the best for that. Helping out on golf picks as well. Like one of the most well-rounded betters out there has something on everything. And I always appreciate that as someone that's not very good at that myself. Tyler, I appreciate you making time for me, man. Rick. Anytime, we'll love to do it again soon. Tyler's the goods, man. Like, you can tell he grinds everything college basketball. It is not just Power 5 conferences. He knows what's going on all across the country. So I love to check in with him every year right before Selection Sunday. All right, it's time to get back to what's top of mind for everybody today, and that is, hey, the NFL offseason, the NFL draft. I'll have a conversation with Connor Allen of Spurts and 4 for 4 when we come back. And just a reminder... Top of the hour, David Haw is going to break down the Bears trading the number one pick, so you will not be shorted on your Bears fix on a Saturday here on The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to Early Odds here on 670 The Score. I am Rick Camp in for Joe Ostrowski this week. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick C. Camp. That's right, they let me back in the building to fill in for Joe, and it's a great week to do it. So thanks to Mitch and Ryan Porth for the opportunity. Now here's the thing with my next guest, Connor Allen, who's the sports betting manager at 4 for 4 and BetSports. You can follow him on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. He's one of the best people in the industry when it comes to distilling all the information that comes out during draft season to what's important, what is being said, and who matters when they're saying it. And he just dropped his first mock draft over at 4 for 4. The thing is, to pull the curtain back a little bit, we recorded this conversation before the Bears moved out of the number one pick. We spent a good five minutes talking about, well, it makes sense for the Panthers because of how desperate they are because of David Tepper and all that. And same thing for the Colts and what that would mean. Well, now that we're here, all that stuff is irrelevant. So I chopped all that out to save you the time. So the first thing that I asked Connor was, when trying to determine where someone is going to go, how much do you rely on what you think versus the information that's getting put out into the market? I obviously watch all the prospects. I like to watch how they play and kind of understand their play styles so I can weed through what people are saying. But I would say it's almost 90-10 in terms of information mattering a lot more than my own evaluations. Because at the end of the day, I'm not the one in the front office. I'm not the one making the decision because, you know, I mean, last year's a great example as well. I would say the majority of GMs would prefer Aiden Hutchinson over Trayvon Walker. All it takes is Trent Baalke, who liked a guy with more, you know, tangible skill set, a little bit more like, you know, longer arms, a little bit bigger frame. And he wanted a guy like Trayvon Walker to go number one. So like, sure, Aiden Hutchinson made sense as the favorite to the majority of the league, but all it takes is one team to do that. And Peter Schrager weeks before the draft, hey, watch out for Trayvon Walker. Then Daniel Jeremiah came out and said, watch out for Trayvon Walker. He's flying up the boards. So like all of those things were kind of getting that steam. And we're not necessarily hearing that this year yet. I mean, again, we're a month and a half out from the draft at this point, but we will. I mean, things are going to come out pretty soon, especially once we get a little bit more firm on the number one pick, because this team, whoever it will be, will probably have a clear player in mind when they do trade up to number one. It's early odds here on 670 The Score. McCamp in for Joe Ostrowski speaking with Connor Allen from 4 for 4 and Betsports about the NFL draft and the landscape after the combine. A team in the top five that I feel like the one that doesn't get any talk is Arizona. 
Arizona doesn't necessarily have to stay at three at this point. I mean, have you heard anything about them possibly moving as well? Or are they pretty well set to be like, hey, Will Anderson's really good at football. We might just take him. Yeah, they're not another team in a great spot. I do think that they'll consider trading out. It depends on the offer and kind of who's coming up, you know, up to get the player. But for me, like, I think that Arizona is in such a good spot to trade down because you have the Seahawks at five who signed Geno Smith to a one-year deal, essentially. And it's been, it's more like team oriented. Like they are in a great spot, the Seahawks as well, to kind of take a quarterback, let them sit behind Geno, maybe a guy like Anthony Richardson, maybe a guy like Will Levis who needs a little bit more time to develop and then kind of go from there and like really put their franchise in a better spot. So I think the Seahawks are in play, the Raiders, Falcons, even the Lions are in play. You know, they have Jared Goff, but I don't think that anyone thinks that he's not a player who's going to win them games. Like, you know, he's out there. He can execute an offense, but I don't think he's a guy who put their team on their back. And then even further down the board, the Titans at 11, the Commanders don't really have a quarterback at 16. Like, there's so many teams that can move up the board. I want to move to another position group. We kind of more go position group. Uh, and it seems like one that is going to be very much in the eye of the beholder, maybe even within the top 10 is corner all the mocks you look at, and I believe in, in yours as well, you know, you see those teams in the back half of the top 10, you start to look at the quarterback market and you have Gonzalez, you have Porter, you have Witherspoon, like there, there's names to be had there, but different types of dudes. What are the key factors to look at within that cornerback market and some likely landing spots? Yeah, I think it look it's going to be a lot about fit. So for me, I had the Detroit Lions selecting Devin Witherspoon, uh, corner out of Illinois. Uh, and that's supposed to be just because of fit. And that's like... He plays really good man defense. They played man defense over 75% of the time at U of I. Uh, and it would just be a great fit for this Lions secondary that Okuda, you know, figured it out a little bit, kind of came on as the season progressed. But their secondary is far from a sure thing at this point. Uh, and they definitely need help. So that would make a lot of sense. But if the Lions don't pick a corner, I mean, the Eagles at 10 probably need a corner. They're going to lose multiple members of their secondary in free agency. But really after that, like, any of these teams could take a corner, but who they want and what they're looking for at this point is really tough to decide. So I think leaning into that volatility of, you know, maybe taking a longer shot on you know some of the other guys to be the first corner off the board, because Christian Gonzalez right now is the pretty heavy favorite to be the first corner gone. And I think that he's the best corner in the draft, but I'm just not sure that that's necessarily the best odds. And I think the odds are a little bit off given what we know about other guys' strengths versus Gonzalez. So another position group that's probably around that same range is the offensive line and especially offensive tackle market where it seems like the buzz started and the movement started maybe right before the combine of uh, Paris Johnson really becoming like the number one tackle, at least in the, you know, in the odds as of right now. Does that make sense to you? And where do you think his range starts? Because I was thinking the Bears to nine and let's say the board doesn't necessarily fall the way that they're hoping he could be a guy that if they have to kind of pivot last minute, that could be someone that makes sense for them. Yeah, I think that would that's very much in play. I haven't met seven of the Raiders, so a little bit higher than that, but I think that he's probably going to be that range, seven to 10, seven to 11. I would be pretty surprised if he falls out of the top 12 here because we have Paris Johnson. There's Broderick Jones has been getting a ton of hype lately. Uh, there's Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. Daniel Jeremiah has just been pumping him up a ton uh, as a guy that he said is almost surely going to go top 15. And the Jets are sitting there at 13, and Jeremiah is a big Jets guy. So to me, that says that uh, the Jets are very interested in him. But we also have the Northwestern guy, local Peter Skronsky, um, you know, who's also going to be in play with those top four guys. His arms are a little bit short, uh, so I think that's kind of why he hasn't gotten quite the steam that Paris Johnson has. But in terms of a you know pure player, uh, it's really tough to see a better player in the draft, to be honest, than Skronsky. So I think that they're all in the mix. Again, it's just going to be kind of one of those things that we don't know who exactly likes who yet, but we probably will over the coming weeks.
Paris Johnson went to Ohio State, and so did Jackson Smith and Jigba. And it sure seems like a lot of positive pub for him coming out of the combine. The receiver market seems really weird when you look at maybe mocks versus hearing analysis from the people that are either from like unnamed execs or guys like a Daniel Jeremiah, like a Dame Brugler, like the guys that you trust that are that are in NFL draft media. What do you make of, of the wide receiver market at this point? Because it's one where there are odds out. So if someone has like true conviction of who the actual best dude is and a finds logical spot, it feels like it could be a spot where there could be some money to be made. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So heading into the combine, Quinn Johnson out of TCU was the favorite, followed by Jordan Addison, and then Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, was the third guy. So he was like plus 300, plus 400 to be the first wide receiver taken. Out of the combine, Quentin Johnson didn't run. Jordan Addison ran around a 4.49, I believe it was what he had finished at, which is not good considering how small he is. He's like 173 pounds. Uh, you know, he's a little guy. So like they really thought he was going to run faster than that. And so he his stock dropped a bunch. So now we have Jackson Smith and Jigba as the favorite and minus 110, even though he did not run the 40. He ran the three cone and tested extremely well. And if we look at kind of his, his scope of work, I'm, I'm pretty excited about him because if you look at before last season, he was incredible. I mean, he thrived in an offense with multiple NFL players, with a quarterback who was strong. And I don't really understand. I mean, I get that there's a difference between him and Jamar Chase, but Jamar Chase had an amazing season with an amazing team and an amazing quarterback, then sat out a year and went top five. Jackson Smith and Jigba had an amazing year with an amazing team, you know, and then has gets injured the next year. And then now is projected in the 20s or 15 to 20 range. Uh, I think that that is, is a fluke. I would not be surprised if the Bears take him. I know that they're a little bit interested in him. So if they trade back into that like 15 range, if they trade back multiple times, I think that he's more than you know in play there because he's a stellar talent. He would make a big difference for any team. So I think he is a first wide receiver. But again, there's so much volatility. Like we'll get a little bit better idea coming here. Right now, I would just kind of lean into volatility of like, okay, I would buy the dip on Jordan Addison. You know, he didn't test well, but he's... Daniel Jeremiah is ninth ranked player in the overall in the draft, like in the entire top 50 and easily his top wide receiver. And Jeremiah doesn't necessarily infuse his own opinion into everything. It's like a lot of like what he's hearing from other teams. And that's why he moves players up or down. So I think that a guy like him uh, would be a play because he's like plus plus 300 plus 400 right now to be the first wide receiver. So I think that's a good look if you want to bet something now, but otherwise I would just wait. And with Smith and Jigba too, it's, you know, yeah, he's probably going to be a, a slot vast, vast, vast majority of the time, but Cooper Cup's kind of proven that you can dominate from the slot and there are schemes that are with as scheme dependent as the NFL is, you can scheme a guy open from the slot. I think that's okay. Like that's, oh, yeah. you know, it's something that, that they're too. The tight ends are also fascinating. Just, you know, the Bears need to add any sort of playmaker they can. And so do a lot of teams around the league, especially where it seems like just the, there's not that many really good tight ends but it seems like this is as deep of a class as we've seen in quite a while and what makes it fascinating is this is one position market where it almost seems like more than any other it's who is putting the value on the tight end in the first round and that'll help inform much more who the top tight end is drafted as opposed to the other way around yeah because there's there's right now like three to four guys that i think are in play to be first round picks and three that i feel pretty good about to be first round picks and that's dalton kincaid out of utah uh the tight end and then we have uh, michael meyer out of notre dame he's very you know popular to be the number one tight end selected and then we also have a guy further down the board darnell washington out of georgia was a great blocker at georgia had in a good couple catches at the combine hasn't been used much as a pass like a pass catcher but is certainly capable of doing so it's just like i mean when you're playing behind brock bowers you know who's going to be essentially a top five pick next year it's tough to really have too much of a pass catching role so 
yeah, I think all these guys are very much in play. A team that I think is kind of a sneaky spot here to take a tight end would be the Washington Commanders at 16. They hired Eric Bieniemy um, from Kansas City. You know, obviously a big, you know, Travis Kelsey connection there. Having having him in play and having a guy like that to develop is, is a big deal for them. So I think that at 16, the Commanders need help in a lot of places, but I think a tight end could be a pretty sneaky spot for them. That's interesting because that's one that I feel like I hadn't heard. There's so much New England out there that you hear that that would make, yeah, that would make a ton of sense in that, like really in the middle of the teens there in the first round. All right, before I let you go, I know you're so good at distilling all this information down into what actually matters. What's one nugget that we haven't gotten to yet that you think is, if it's not actionable right now, it's at least worth people keeping in the back of their mind. Yeah, I think there's one thing that, or I guess there's two things that I want to hit on here. Running back, Bijan Robinson, he is viewed as a top five prospect in the draft, but may not go until the teens. And so you're going to see a line. It's going to come out and you're going to see Bijan Robinson like over under, I don't know, 18 and a half or 16 and a half. And you're going to be like, oh my God, like we need to smash, you know, the under because he's going to go way under this because he's an amazing prospect. But just be careful because if you look at the teams that are available to take a running back right now, there's not a whole lot that need any. He's big. Been popularly mocked to the Eagles at 10, um, but I'm not buying that hype at all. And I I get it. I get why teams are saying that or people are saying that he is like a luxury pick for the Eagles. I'm not sure that the Eagles are in a position to take luxury picks considering they're going to be missing three members of their starting defense for next year. And uh, they lost their defensive coordinator as well. So I do not think that they view it as a luxury. So I'm out on, on him going to 10 to the Eagles. And if you look down the board from there, the Texans are are fine with where they're at. The Jets are fine with where they're at with Brees Hall. The Patriots, maybe. But, I mean, would they really take a running back at 14, especially after the Sony Michelle dis- disaster? I mean, the Packers at 15 are more than stocked the running back. Commanders, I mean, that's like – Commanders is like the start of the range for me. So unless the team trades up, which I think is very possible – I think 16, like it's really tougher to get there. So that's something that I'm watching for, for sure. And that uh, I, again, like you're going to see him in the top five, of most big boards. You're going to see him as like a generational talent, but there just isn't a team match right now that I see uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's one last note to throw out there for people. Big board versus mock, very different things, extremely different things. So do not conflate the two. You follow him on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. He's a sports betting manager of four for four and bet spurts. The mock draft is out on four for four right now and you should be listening to the move the line podcast connor appreciate you taking time for me man yeah thanks so much rick talk to you soon connor's such a wealth of information especially this type of year he makes money every year on these drafts and it's really a credit to his grind so make sure again that you're following him at connor allen nfl last segment of early odds you know what that means it's time for jim miller from hawthorne Racecourse. he comes on next and don't forget at the top of the hour david hall will be with you right here on the score breaking down all the aspects of the Bears trading with Carolina, getting DJ Moore, and a boatload of picks. That comes up at the top of the hour on The Score. Welcome back to Early Odds. One more segment before David Haw takes over at the top of the hour, and he's going to be getting your reaction and giving his reaction to the Bears trading with the Carolina Panthers, getting DJ Moore, moving back to the ninth pick, and getting all those future assets. I'm Camp filling in for Joe Ostrowski, and it's time for us to talk with Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. You can follow him on Twitter at Hawthorne Jim. And obviously, Jim, this is the big week in college basketball with conference tournaments going on uh, and selection Sunday is tomorrow. So, and for someone like me, who is uh, very much playing catch up, I told Tyler Morales from BetQL this earlier that like I am starting pretty much from square one 
so I guess to start locally, like we can start with Northwestern because yeah. I know I looked a couple weeks ago and I was like, wait, Northwestern is good. This is a thing. But also to you know tip the cap towards Hawthorne, it's just the fact of if you want to bet Northwestern, if you've been watching this team all year and you want to hit, the, you want to be able to get them at any point, you've got to be in person to bet that and the place where you can do that. Yeah, and that's, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, think about how crazy it was last year, Rick, when we were watching Illinois play Loyola. They were the first game of the day on TV, and they were the only game, and nobody could bet them. It's it insane. was insane because you had two Illinois college teams. So now at least the law has changed a little bit where you can place wagers on these teams, but you have to do it on site. So that's something that's very important. There's sports books spread around the Chicagoland area, but we do have one right there at Hawthorne Racecourse. So it's a really cool time of year because we're racing live for the horses. We race on Thursdays and Sundays. So when the tournament kicks off on Thursday, you're going to have horse racing going on on Thursday as well. But if you do want to place a bet on Illinois, if they get in, on Northwestern, they'll be in. You have to do it in person on site. So it's something that you, you definitely want to keep in mind because you don't want to be caught last second, 10 minutes prior to a game, trying trying to find somewhere to bet on these teams because this is also a weird year for the NCAA. There's no standout team this year. So because of that, maybe this is a year where instead of the Big Ten being horrible in the first two rounds of the tournament, maybe they make a little bit of noise and some of these Big Ten teams are advancing to the Sweet 16 or further. So how do you feel about Northwestern, you know, whether it's to reach a certain threshold or are they a team that's very, very dependent on what type of draw they get in the tournament? I don't know if they're as dependent on, upon the draw as teams who are playing against them are dependent upon the draw. And the reason I say that is when you play defense, defense seems to travel no matter where you're going. And that's one thing that they've really kind of entrusted and enlisted in these players to step up and do. Because if you remember at the start of the season, Northwestern was picked to finish 13th in the Big Ten. Nobody gave them any credit. But then all season long, and this is after two major transfers to major schools, they had to find a way to pull together, play a team game, keep scores low, and keep themselves involved in the game. And that's been what they've been able to do with each and every team. But you look at, like, the games where they defeated Purdue. Zach Eady, a guy who could be dominant and take over a game, they just took over him and they just basically sandwiched him in the lane. They did the same thing later on that same week to Indiana. And these are two teams that could make splashes in the tournament as well. So Northwestern finds a way to keep themselves into the game, into the end. They play defense all the way there. And that's the thing. If you're within five points, basically, with five minutes to go, either in the lead or behind, you're going to be there to the wire. And those are the types of teams where you can get a little bit of a run in the NCAA tournament if you're able to play that style of basketball. So as you're starting to think about how you're going to bet the tournament, uh, what are ways that you try to bet any sort of future? Because is it, you know, going straight to the title, obviously you've got such a narrow yeah. path there. And especially without knowing uh, knowing the field, at least as of yet, is there anyone that you are thinking about playing or have played uh, before even seeing the bracket where maybe that could add some extra value of, you know, just a little bit more being up in the air, but it's just a team that you trust. Yeah, and even before seeing the draw, there's some teams I'm staying away from, but there are some teams that you can play. I tend to think the media hoopla surrounding Alabama is going to be too much for them, and that could be a little bit of a problem because of everything that's happened off the court. A team like Houston, you just don't know what's going to go on with them because they're very good record-wise, but you don't know how battle-tested they are. 
there's two teams that play very similarly to what you see out of Northwestern, where it's good, solid defense, high percentage shooting. And the way I really like to play the tournament is bet teams to make the Elite Eight or the Final Four. And here's two teams that you can get five to one on just to make the Final Four that are two quality teams, one of them being UConn, the other one being Baylor. And Baylor's battle-tested. They've gone deep in the tournament in recent years, a lot of players returning. And then UConn's just that team that kind of plays that all-around basketball game. They're going to shoot the ball at a high percentage. They're going to play solid defense. They've played a good, tough, proven schedule. And right now you're looking at basically 5-1 to one on both of these teams to get to the Final Four where you're not saying, okay, the draw really could hurt me too much. You just have to worry about them getting out of their portion of the bracket. So regardless of knowing what their draw is, you know these are teams that are going to be one of the top seeds in their bracket, and they should be able to have a nice trip because there's not going to be any standout number one by any means this year. There's always the uh, the couple of mid-majors that are trendy, like wherever they land, whether it's, you know, somewhere 10 through 13, they tend to be that type of that type of pick. Is there anyone that you've kind of identified as like, I'm just waiting to see where this team is because they're probably going to be one of those type of teams? That's the thing about this tournament where I even mentioned the Big Ten because you talk about mid-majors. I'm thinking how many Big Ten teams, they're talking nine or ten could get in. You're going to look at Big Ten teams. Take, for example, Illinois if they're in. A team like Rutgers, a team like Ohio State if they get in. Teams like this that are going to be eight, nine, ten seed type of teams. I mean, yeah, Purdue's probably going to be a one or a two. When you're looking at some of these Big Ten teams that are proven against very good teams, that might be the route that you want to go. Because the mid-majors, yeah, there's always going to be that Cinderella. But this is the year where, again, when there's no really major standout number one team where you're going to find some of these teams that could be very good. So that's what I'm looking to see. I want to see if Illinois gets in and say they're a 10. Maybe take a look at them. See what happens with Indiana. Indiana was the team that was supposed to win the Big Ten this year, and they were supposed to win the Big Ten going away. They've had some disappointing games, but they have a world of talent too. So that's kind of going to be where my focus is this year on the Big Ten. One other team that I thought had a little bit of ability could be Xavier. Xavier is a team that I'm not quite sure where they're going to be seeding-wise. They have a pretty high-powered offense, but they do. They shoot the ball very well. They don't play a ton of defense, but they can get hot and make a run as well. Speaking with Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse at Hawthorne Jim, what is going on at Hawthorne? Because we've always got stuff going on. It's a busy time of year for everybody. Oh, man, it's a great time of year. We are racing live at Hawthorne. Thoroughbred start, and they're going all the way into September. So right now we race live on Thursday and Sunday, which is perfect, Rick, because you have the tournament kicking off on Thursday. You have it going for the first four days all the way through Sunday. You're going to see games through the end of the turn for this weekend, heading into Sunday. So here's the three horses to bet across the board on Saturday. Start at Turf Paradise in race number six, bet the seven, Thirsty John across the board. Then we're going to Santa Anita, race eight, bet the two, Pauline's Pearl across the board, and then go to Tampa Bay. This is the Derby prep, the Tampa Bay Derby, race 11, bet the six, tap it trice across the board, and let's build the bankroll for the tournament. Sounds good. I wrote everything down, so I know I'm going to be set. I'm excited. And, oh, wait, your picks are just still awesome every time i talk to you you're giving out winners so everybody follow jim at hawthorne jim on twitter jim it's been too long man good to get to talk to you you got eric good luck thank you to jim miller tyler morales and connor allen for joining me today thank you for tuning in and make sure you keep it tuned here to 670 the score because david haw is coming up next to continue the breakdown of the bears trade with the carolina panthers out of the number one pick 
getting a boatload of picks and DJ Moore. And thank you to Mitch Rosen and Ryan Porth for letting me once again step into the Hyundai studios and talk to you on the score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 